Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teach it through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. Deuce at the back of Pinehurst number two, right by the behind the 18th green where I learned to play golf at. Always a cool thing to come back here. Once again, from a Golf Magazine Top 100 Teacher Summit. Got some good friends. We got a couple new people in the hizzy here. Oh, man, I wanted to say your name right. <laughs> <laughs> like, full disclosure here. This is my third wine, fourth wine. Tom Resendiz from California. I pulled that one off. Rick Silva. And with me from from Chicago, he's been been on the tour coach before. One of your more familiar faces is going to make everybody feel kind of comfortable and at home. Jackson Court, another one I've been wanting to have him on, but man, I just hadn't found time to be honest. And you're very busy. I mean, I wouldn't even say I'm that busy. I just forget <laughs> stuff. Uh, great teacher, man. You had an awesome week last week. Got on a Champions Tour, played his ass off. Yes, he did. Jake Thurm. Yep. We've got. The man that we call the Prince of Palm Beach Gardens, <laughs> Mark Hackett, and then we have the Lamb. We got the Lamb, Wayne Flint sitting in with me. Wayne O the Drano. Wayne O the Drano. If anybody understands the Lamb, me and Wayne are roommates, and when you're in there, it's just like sleep with a Lamb. <laughs> he's, he's drinking an athletic beer there. Like, that's what all the oh, athletes He's drink, an athlete. Right yeah, he's an athlete. Drink that while you live. Brooks Kepka. Yeah. So here we are. It's kind of, I, I consider this podcast every two years, whether we need it or not, to be kind of, uh, where are we? Ted, what are you doing for 30 minutes? You want to sit in on a podcast? Come on. Oh, my gosh. We now have legend status to it. So it's Ted Sheptic. Ted Sheftick, who is, I'm going to be honest, I said this to Jackson. So Ted, Jackson's worked for me until he fired me a couple months ago, but we're not going to get into that. One of my favorite people I've ever met at this, like he's a legend in the instruction business. Mark, you want to sit in on a podcast? Can't sit by your dad. We're breaking you up. You're allowed to drink. It's okay. That's fine. Mark Sheftick, one of the great players. He just got in the Hall of Fame. Just got in the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Northside Sports Hall of Fame. And, uh... No, really, hell of a job. That was pretty cool. And um, so we're just talking about the golf instruction business, like what y'all saw here at the summit so far, what you like, and where you think our business is going. Not enough instruction. I mean, it wouldn't have been nice to see Sean Foley take the sports box and work. So this is what I did with a student. This is how I use it. Amen. I mean, you kidding me? I agree with you, sir. And, and I don't want to hear about the, who's the golf company that's, you know, and then uh, Golf Tech. I mean, you got to be kidding me. That's not what I'm here for. So I don't think there's anywhere near as much instruction as it should be. Hands-on instruction is what you got to do. Wouldn't you like to see a 25 handicapper go in there and, and, and top under teach, okay, I want to see you hit four or five shots. And you got a screen up there, whether it's 3D or whatever, and say, okay, this is what I see. 
What do you want to in a gallery see? I want your opinion. So, I mean, that's so that's open instruction. Open it to the audience. Yeah, yeah. let's see what the avatar does. Yeah, let's see what's going on. You know, I mean, less, let's, less, let's, less let's, sales, let's, more function. Yeah. I said this to Wayno the other day. I was driving, and I mentioned this. I did. I told. I was talking about Ted. I said I've always felt like. I mean, you're a couple years older than me. Hair's a little grayer. A lot older than you. And you've been you've been teaching a long time. A legend in the instruction business. And only thing I always love is like you have you always have tons of juniors and you're always up with technology like you're all, like that's to me the model of what a great teacher is always improving and always moving forward i just think that's impressive i mean and i and i value your opinion for that i mean and that's one reason i come to these things and uh Mark said the, the, the best teaching and the best was the year that uh, last two years ago when you watched i thought it was kind of cool watching george gankus give a live lesson to him i thought it was really cool but we were, and we were just discussing uh, i'd love to see you 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 right. get up there and actually do teaching or talking about a junior program or, or, or just something that has to do with hands-on teaching. If you have technology, you got all these great minds in a room. I'd love to see someone use the technology, practical application. I would have liked to see John say, when I worked with Harris English, this is what he was doing in the screen, and this is how I corrected it. He talked about the pelvis and so forth and alignment, but it wouldn't have been nice to show exactly what he did. I think in, in fairness to Parsons, he planned on doing more of that, but they didn't load the video. Right, so there there was a more plan for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna start here with Chicago and California, boy. Okay, so we saw a lot of 3D stuff out there today. Where do you see the role of 3D, and how important do you think it is in what we're teaching? Rick, you're kind of nominated now to be in charge of my phone. And okay, I guess so. Well, define 3D. I mean, I I, I do think that it's that it's been kind of generic at this point. So define 3D, Tony. Well, I mean, the stuff we saw. Well, so are we talking about linear graphs? Well, I mean, one of them they were trying to tell us that weren't that good. Well, so so if we're we're talking about linear accelerating graphs, well, I don't don't really know that that's valuable in today's world, respectfully. No, I'd agree. I don't use graphs. That's why I have Jackson. He tells me what that means. Well, okay, Jackson. What do you think about them? What do you think about What do you think about technology? linear accelerating graphs? I don't think it makes anybody better. Thank you. How are you, how is your students going to understand it? You're correct. Yeah, you, you, get, well, you get the, the engineers and the doctors yeah, that enjoy it, but most of the people are just it's over their head, right? Yeah. I think it's fondant. Respect, yeah. Respectfully, I think it's, it makes people like think that they're smart and, hey, look at this crap. Linear accelerating graphs? I, I, I'm sorry. I deal with this stuff every day. I look at it every day. But we also deal with rigid body dynamics and kinetics, stuff that actually really makes sense, applicable sense to people. And you don't have to dumb it down. It's, that's in the art of coaching. Tom? Oh, totally agree, yeah. And I think, you know, a little less graphs and more more applications. So, you know, like, like Ted Sheftick was saying, you know, you know, you got the, the guy that's cross the line, face wide open, and then he plows it over the top and what does it dumps mean? it underneath. What is what does all that mean, what does it mean? as How it pertains it to a graph? And yeah. it, that's more what I'm looking at. You know I can't stand graphs, so this is What's the what's the motion telling you more than what's the graph telling you, I guess? I and what's the ball get... and then tie it into ball flight and their miss and 
Like you put a graph up there for what? You got to get back. I mean, I, I like to know where the ball's going. I think I said that in the thing I did with JP this morning. Like, I like to know. I like to see you lined up square, where the ball, know where the ball is, and then see you hit a shot and see where the ball goes. And then let's figure out what's wrong. Oh, I heard you when you were talking about using the rope and then doing this. That's my technology. I, I heard you. Yeah, I mean, I listen there now. Well, it gets the fundamentals. Well, we do it at all sports. Amen. And, and Jake, right? I'm going to you yep. after this one. So I, rec- I recently, not long ago, I had a guy. I was I did the Michael Breed show for some. For he, he, Michael asked me to be on, and a guy. I love Michael. Unbelievably great for golf. Has me on several times a year. Super dude, great teacher. And from that show, I had a guy email me and was like, I listened to you on the Michael Breed show. Love what you said. Live in Philadelphia. You want to go see somebody? Who should I go see? And I said, uh, he gave me some details. I said, you need to go see Mark Sheft. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, why should I go? And I said, one, dad's a legend. I know he can teach, but this guy was a good player. And the guy was like, man, I, I'm trying to play better golf. And we alluded to this in the beginning, but Mark Sheftick's a hell of a player in the Hall of Fame in Philadelphia, great player. And I sent him to you, and he sent me a glowing review about you. He was like, man, you hit the nail on the head. This guy spent a couple hours with me. He knows about playing golf, diagnosed what it did, gave me enough tech that I could understand it. But I think the ability to play golf sometimes gets lost in what we do. Like I think, I think that we get people that are real smart, and we get a lot of technology, but in the end, we're still playing a game. I always try to, what's your goals, what's your expectations, what do you want, and then I try to match my lesson of what they want. And then, whether it's a ball flight, a movement pattern, a club selection, I mean, my whole goal is, and I think as a player and a teacher, when I give a lesson, if I give someone a lesson, I, I ask myself, if I gave myself that a lesson, could I go out and play good golf with it? So I try to really stage wow. it up, off that. That's good. That's how I try to, you know, when someone leaves me, could I take that same lesson and go out and actually produce a decent score? So I'm going to ask this question to Hack, the Prince. No, I'm going to Jake. I'm in the Prince. Why, why are you royalty? Yeah. I've stayed at his house yeah. and gets the air conditioning down to 60. Yeah. <laughs> and he puts on headline news for me when I go to bed. Yeah. And uh, how much of some of the stuff that you see, and I want Ted to chime in those two. Sure. Do you think you could listen and watch and then go do on the golf course? So, when, <laughs> there it is. I mean, you can't see this on a phone. I'm huge into tech. And, and, and tech came... The reason I'm huge into tech is because I'm tired of people's opinions, right? But while you were talking about graphs and, and Rick was talking about that, I thought of my buddy Skip Gus. Skip Gus was basically mentored by Sam Snead. Skip at one of the PGA shows told me, Jake, respectfully, when I look at a graph, I don't see a golf swing. And I go... First <laughs> bomb to hit... Oh, you should have known it was going to be me. So I said, respectfully, uh, Skip, when I look at a graph, I do. But I'm I'm positive none of my clients do. So in terms of integrating technology into a lesson, the the practical application of data is where we should be at at the summit. And uh, I'm going to quote you. I, I asked you what you thought, and you said you thought like it was an infomercial, right? It was like a commercial that was selling things, right? Okay, but (laughs) but I mean that that's that is real coaching. I mean, so so we're talking about graphs, and we should be talking about people, 
right? Because yeah. we work with good, people, Jay. right? That's good. So, um, from State Farm. Yeah. <laughs> Lord knows I haven't heard that joke before. Yeah. What you think, Ted? You're stewing down there. I can tell. I'm like Mark. I want to teach a young kid, a junior player, that they can leave me and hit the ball better and understand what I want, understand what they have to do than they when, when they leave me. They have to leave me and, and know what they're trying to do. Now, you, you do get some kids to come in that have got a notorious bad golf swing. And then you're going to say, okay, we're going to take six months and rebuild your swing. I don't want you in a golf course. I want you in a range. I want, you know, I'm going to give you some drills to do at home. A uh, good example, last week I had a kid from Franklin County. He had probably the worst, worst reverse weight shift I've ever seen. His hands were so far up over here. And I told him, Mark, I struggled to get him just to do a half swing. But, you know, you gave him some drills, and that's what they have to do. <laughs> I'm going to pose this to Wayne, and then I want to go to Ted and kind of go back around. So I'm going to talk a little bit about junior golf and developing players. I think Wayne, I said this, I've told Hack this, Jackson, this many times. I think Wayne is one of the best nuts and bolts developer teacher I've ever been around. And when Parsons and I were talking about the fitness thing, I think when I get like a 13 or 14-year-old, my job is to get them a good posture, get the face relatively square, teach them to turn back and turn through. And then after they learn to do that, I get them to somebody like a Colby that I work with, somebody that can make them strong and able to do it fast and able to hit it. That's how, like, I try to develop young people. I'd like your thoughts on that. Let's kind of go around developing. Like, I think people make it sometimes harder than that. Like, let's get them balanced. Let's get a good grip. Let's get the face square. Learn to pivot back and then learn to deliver it going through. And then, I mean, we can't really screw it up too much from that. Wayne, I mean, that's exactly what I try to do. I try to make them aware of what, what I think has to happen in their golf swing and what they have to build in their golf swing to become proficient, being able to play the game. And then I also try to make them aware and their whole family aware of all the things that are involved in taking their game from a high school level to a college level to possibly a professional level, that there's a whole lot more to it than just having a good grip and a good pivot. I mean, they've got to have a body that matches it. They have to, you know, they have to have mental capabilities to handle themselves when they're in tough situations on the course, all that stuff that we all talk about. But I try to I try to make their whole program something that they can continue to work on on an ongoing basis and watch them grow. And then see how hard they want to work at it and see how far they want to take it. The lamb coming with some wisdom today. Anything I'll add is I try to get uh, my juniors to understand what balance is and give them a roadmap on how to practice. Just try to help the kids get a roadmap so they're working on the short game, putting, full swing, speed development. And so just going to the range, hitting eight irons isn't going to get it done. That's right. Of course, get a great success. Give them a game plan and understanding what direction they're heading. Big deal. If you get a success, they're going to be hooked for having fun. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be such a – it's a frustrating – it's a hard game. You can't buy the game and you have to put the work in, but again, give them structure, how to practice, make every ball count. I think the key here is with juniors is creating a culture. So the hardest thing is to get the boulder moving, but once it's moving, it's not going to stop. 
because just like uh, younger siblings, younger kids look up to older kids. So when I've got my uh, junior high kids looking at my high school kids, that, that's where they want to be. And when those high school kids go into college, that's where they want to be. So it's cultivating the culture and then getting the hell out of the way. They're going to learn more from somebody that's only a couple years older than them than they're ever going to learn from me. Three thousand. Yeah. So that I don't hear that enough in because in, in, in co- that's true coaching, right? We, there, there's many hats that we wear. We wear a teaching hat. We wear a coaching hat. And, and to be honest with you, uh, just like all the people here, I mean, I was in my formative years, I was raised by PGA professionals. So to be honest with you, I, they were father figures to me as well. So uh, that is that is never lost on me. Could you say um, that, that that would transfer into mentoring, though? Absolutely. Mentorship, a, a, a true yeah. mentorship, a true apprenticeship, yeah, it, because a true apprenticeship ego. does not is not a certification. It, 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 it is handled at the you are at the foot of a master. And I think that's also what's missing in our business a little bit is that you actually I, I'm sorry, you, you can sign up for whoever's program. And I'm sure that's great online. But it's like the line in Goodwill Hunting. You could tell me everything about Michelangelo, but you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. So you can tell me you can read everybody's book, but you don't know what their couch is like because you didn't sleep on it or you didn't set up the range for them or you didn't sweep it for them and take it down in the evening or work for free. I did. I was in a Nissan Altima, right? And and that was my bed, right? So uh, creating the culture, uh, uh, teaching your juniors what you didn't handle well back in the day. Because I was told if I hit 500 golf balls a day and I had a perfect swing, I'd play perfectly. That is bull, because as soon as somebody turned on a camera, like Cousin Eddie in Christmas Vacation, I pissed myself and forgot my name. And no one ever taught me. So I thought the instruction, the swing instruction failed me, and what failed me was my own training. If I had to add to that, I think it's something that you and Woody say all the time about making the juniors the CEO. They make the decisions. It's their business. It's not the parents' road, right? And I think if if you give the juniors the ownership to how they what they want to do, I think you're going to get better results rather than stuffing it down their throat. Great, Ted. To me, it's also about trust and communication. So you, you the, the kids coming, you have to trust what you're going to be doing, right? Trust and communication. So I'm kind of like uh, Tony. I. I start with a grip. I want good posture. You know, I don't I want. I don't want. I, I, I don't want a knot of swaying. I want a good turn back, center turn, and then I tell them after you can show me you can do a, a halfway back, halfway through, a quarterback, quarter through swing with a little bit of motion. Then we get some work done. That's when I bring in my impact lag drills and my broom drill, and my mop drill, and now they're developing a full body motion. And don't even realize that what you're doing. When you do the mop drill and the broom drill, you're developing a, a lot of athleticism. It's mm-hmm. so like Dr. Neil said, don't ever change what you're doing. Because every time I come here and I put the harness on your students, they are awesome. Because of the, the lag drills and all the work we do with the... So when you develop lag, you're developing a motion to golf swing. Love it, Ted. I'm going to chime in on... Uh... Juniors with a. I'm going to start with the Steeler Bears game tonight. So go Bears, go Bears. Minus six and a half. Hey, minus six and a half. Plus six and a half. So one of my Bears and and the under. One of my best buddies, Rick Silva, is a big Bears fan. I'm a big Steelers fan, and Tony's got the Steelers by six and a half. So uh, six and a half. I'm going to use a a I'm going to use a Tomlinism, and I'm going to say the best make the fundamentals fundamental. So I like to see a good grip posture, but the other thing I like to see is 
I like to see my juniors be able to control the ball flight. So a lot of juniors, they, they just want to hit it straight or they just want to hit a draw. And I like to teach them how to shape it so that if they're, if they're man, I hook and everything left, they can put a little fade into the ball and have a little imagination. So that's kind of the big thing to me is to kind of own the ball flight and then own the fundamentals, make that, make the fundamentals fundamental. So can I ask a question within that? Yeah. yeah. So in this the, be contrary in, and I well, I love you too, bro. It's a Bears fan. <laughs> so in the, in the vagity, not even a word, but okay. What actually is a good grip and what is actually is a good posture when you're talking about a junior who's actually going through growth spurts? Mark discovered it pretty much on his own. And I said, Mark, I think what you did was fantastic. And it's about matching the face with the path and the face and the club face and the, and the club head. So I'm going to have Mark tell you how he discovered it and then we can get back to me. This is the way I do it. And I don't like when people come up and they put the club down. I always teach a grip from a, di- I, I kind of call it a delivery position. So I always have them start the club in a position where they're going to hit a golf ball. And they put their wrist in what I call it, where you're going to give someone a Charlie horse. And depending on their hip speed, their all the other stuff, bring it right down. And then normally there's your grip. I, I don't like teaching static positions because it's not a static position. So I'll, I'll literally have them go back and I'll, have their left, their lead wrist and their club face come to a matchup to where they're going to hit it hard. And I have the person put their hands on the club at a 45 degree angle or a 90 degree angle. And normally when they can hit something hard, put it back down and normally they form the grip. But I always try to get the grip with a dynamic motion, not a standard static position. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you change that based on desired ball flight? Ball flight. Yeah. Off ball flight. And always don't get it the first time. We might tweak it a little bit. If someone rotates a little harder, leans back, might close it down. Someone who's a little more vertical might open it up a little bit. But there's a, I don't like to see extremes, a really strong grip, a really weak grip. But there's, some, there's always a, something Sorry. in that range that creates that. But I've had a lot of success with my students getting the grip from a delivery position, not a static position. I love it. I think that's fantastic. I mean, if you're hitting something, why not, why not get it there where you're Governor getting Governor Sargent just came here. Governor Sargent. Talk about junior golf. What would you do to help develop a, a junior? First, enjoy doing it. Usually when you enjoy doing it, you do a lot of it. You got to start with a good grip, and you got to learn how to stand over it correctly. And if you can do those two things, I think you become a good player for a long time. I said today, and I said today, in doing a thing, one of the, filming one of the things back there, that I don't think enough people pay attention to balance. Like we see all this stuff on the internet and all these articles, and very few people pay attention to balance. They can't hold their finish for two cycles. You got no balance. Boom! My God. I'm joining the Ted Sheptic fan club tomorrow. Do you guys like the Do you guys like the stereotypical athletic posture or do you like the new kind of slouched posture that some guys are implementing? I like athletic well, cuz I think we're the new slouched. Anatomical is anatomical. What the But there is, is a there is a new crowd that likes a slouched lumbar So my teaching partner who is a DPT would he would the the kinesiology term would be kyphosis. So you're that's a rounding yeah, yeah. of the Thank you. Spine. Or so, C spine. So, so, right. So C-pop. kyphosis. I think I had the, kyphosis the once when I got dehydrated. I, I, I guess I, I guess my biggest issue with it is the encouragement thereof. Like we're telling people to do it when in our sedentary lifestyle, uh, there already is a lot. We're already there. We're already there. Kyphosis, what you take Viagra for? You know, I'm like the rattler, Tony. I might have some for you. But anyways, 
So the interesting thing about the mid spine, and I don't want to go down this tangent, but do the it. interesting thing about the mid spine is if we you get too rounded, it limits its rotation. But if you get it too straight, it limits its rotation. So somewhere in between the there for most spine. people, uh, thoracic spine, what most people would call, you what know, number to number. So we, we go two to what seven? Okay. Yeah. So so basically, when you get too rounded up there. And you don't have enough, uh, you know, retraction of the scapula and stuff like that. It can limit the, the amount of rotation for the person. So us, like, encouraging, like, telling people to go there just blindly is probably not advantageous for most, right? And when you post things, you're going to, you're going to post things based on the masses. So they're already, like you said, Tom, they're already there. And it was interesting, you were talking about juniors earlier, and I was thinking about something Bryson said. I, I thought, this is the one takeaway I had from today. Bryson said he learned how to hit all nine shots just so he could master one on tour. So as a junior, he learned how to hit all nine shots, but now he's on tour, he's about the, he, he's in love with playing vanilla. And I thought that was very interesting, and obviously Scott Fawcett, you know, articulated the wisdom of that. Yeah, of, hit, of the mastery of one shot. I tell I tell my juniors you gotta you gotta know the penthouse and the outhouse to kind of find the middle. So you gotta know how to cut it. Mm-hmm. You gotta know how to draw it to kind of find your straight 100%. your go to shot. Right. Yes. And You'll stay tuned I to a up. foresight tip coming out on video this week. Or next oh. week, I taped doing exactly that. Good <laughs> yeah. job, Tom. Looking one way and ball going another. Well, I did yeah. I did shank the first one, but it was after surgery. I'm gonna be. Very open and honest. I shanked the first three. <laughs> Felt a little twinge, Ted. But then I striped the fourth one with a nice draw. Three and out, little two face shut. Wayne Flint taught me that back in ninety in two thousand. No, that was about nineteen ninety six. Feathered the six hybrid. Yeah. yeah. I want to revisit a story real quick. Ted, I think you'll like this. Mark, I think you like this. I know you'll like this. You talked about the culture. One of the things I did and I do is I try to expose my juniors to the best players I teach. And I kind of require a little bit of my tour players and corn fairy players to come back and spend some time. And several years back, Nolan Hankey, who many of us remember, had a great career on the PGA Tour, really good career drinking Miller Lights. Unbelievable. Better than you? Yes, uh, you're more unbelievable. But he's one of my dear yeah, friends. Of course, yeah. more yeah. red yeah. And uh, we That's were doing a and, and we were doing ranking. a retreat at Mobile, Country, Country Club of Mobile, and he took these kids out. Jackson, this is before your time. You remember this story? He took this kid. He took these four kids out to this hole, and they're playing. It was like 50 degrees and blowing 20. It was in the winter. It was a winter camp, and they get down to this par four, and it's 96 yards uphill, blowing into the wind. And they're all going to hit the shot. And everybody hits. There's one kid in this group that turns out to be really good. He plays some college golf, and he's tried to play professionally. And he hits his lob wedge, and it comes up short. Nolan hits, and he hits a nine iron, and he hits it to, like, six feet. Nolan goes, here, hit another one. Kid hits lob wedge again, does the same thing. And Nolan is freezing, and he hates cold. He's from South Florida. He goes, what are you doing, kid? You're keeping us out here longer. And this kid's like, I'm hitting my lob wedge. And he's like, how far you hit your lob wedge? And he's like, 110. He goes, no, you don't. And he's like, no, no, I do. And he, Nolan's like, it's uphill. It's blowing 15. It's 45 degrees. Like, it ain't going. And, I mean, he jumped all over this guy. I thought this kid was going to cry. Right in front of, like, six other kids. Everybody's standing around. And I'll never forget it. But, like, I saw the kid, like, a month later, and he plays tournament. He wins a tournament. And he's like, I mean, cold, kind of crummy weather. And he had like 115 in, and he like punched a little nine iron in. 
you know? But, like, that's teaching kids, yeah. right? I mean, it wasn't very comfortable for the kid there, and I kind of actually felt a little bad. But Nola was just trying to get the hell out of the damn cold weather and drink another Miller Lite. But, <laughs> he, taught him, he taught him not to hit a 60. Right, but, it, but, that's, but that to me is like coaching and teaching. That's yeah. what he did. Right? He taught the kid a lesson. He learned from that. Yeah, it was cool though. Right. I always remember that. That it was, was cool. like a cool thing, it was right? 50 degrees. I think yeah. that's why it's important for us to take our kids out for four or five holes. Right. You do that all the time. I you do, take people right. out. I do that. Mark does that. I think Every, it's important. I sometimes I'll say uh, even before they come warm up, put your bag in the cart. We're going to go play four holes. I just want to see you play four holes. And what you see is you see poor alignment. I never see good alignment <laughs> ever. <laughs> They're always aiming too far right, too far left. They hit the wrong wedges into the grain. They're hitting sand wedge from 110 yards out. They come up short of the grain. The pins in the back, they're, they're still short, you know. And so then you go back, you talk about it, right? And that's how you, you teach them. That's how you teach them, right? That's more teaching than grass. Amen. Amen. Guys, this has been awesome. It's been a fun summit as always. I'll never miss it. I mean, Wayne, thanks for rooming with me, the lamb. Um, <laughs> Tom, Rick, thanks for hanging out. Absolutely. Pleasure. Ted. Tony, it's always a pleasure seeing you. Ted, you're a legend. I'm serious. Like, it's so fun catching up with you. Man, Mark, you're doing awesome, cool stuff. The Prince of Palm Beach. <laughs> we got the Sarge. We got Jake from State Farm. And we got Jackson Court. We'll see y'all next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube, as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.